Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode for this podcast. Yes, I am back from vacation. Apologies for no episode on Monday. Was enjoying a nice day on the beach. I thought I was going to have time for one. Um, I'll apologize on that. Again, that will not be the case moving forward. We will be five days a week um, until free agency and the draft. I have a lot to get to for today's episode. We're going to go into the initial awards, um, what my ballots would have been if I did have a vote on the PHWA. Um, also get to the latest Penguins news. Elliot Freeman went on the Pat McAfee show today with some updates on Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin. Also had a tidbit on Marc-Andre Fleury. So we'll get it, it into that and potentially do a season review for one of the other Penguins defensemen. Um, hint, hint, it looks like it's going to be one of the bottom pairing defenders. So we're going to get into all of that coming up here right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at LO. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, you know, a lot has happened since, you know, I, I last talked to you all um, on Friday. This is like a final a Colorado up two games to one on the lightning. I think everyone knew the lightning. We're not going to go away quietly. Right. You know, I, I made this comparison on social media um, last night when I was still down in Florida. You know, they're, they're like Michael Myers in the Halloween movies. Um, you know, when you when you think you have him dead, uh, he comes right back out. Um, and says, surprise, I'm still alive. So uh, that's basically the lightning at this point, a very good performance from them. Um, if Andre Vasilevsky is able to figure this out, um, and Darcy Kemper potentially continues his struggles, um, you know, this this could go sideways in a hurry for the Avalanche. I still like the Avs right now in this series. that They've been playing very well. They're, they're, they're overall, they're 14-3 and three, through 17 playoff games. But, you know, they're going to have to – you know, find that other level in game four to potentially take this back three, three games to one and then potentially end it um, in game five. Um, otherwise, let's get into the, the big Penguins news of the day. And so I've never seen um, Elliot Friedman go on the Pat McAfee show. Um, he usually brings on Mike Rupp, um, other sports, Ian Rappaport, uh, Sean, Sean's Karenia of The Athletic. Um, but you know, this is the first time I think that Freeman has ever come on. And obviously, Pat McAfee, for those that don't know, he is from Pittsburgh, born and raised. A Yenzer, he is a diehard Penguins fan, likes the Pirates too, I'm sure has some ties to the Steelers, even though he never played for the Steelers. But you know, he he's always loved hockey. Um has always said Sidney Crosby's the best player in the history of the league, even though, you know, top five, but I, I won't go number one. Um, but he did bring Freeman on. And he discussed some uh, Penguins topics. And, you know, one of the first one I'll get to before we uh, touch on the Latang and Malkin stuff is that um, it sounds like there is a chance that Flurry may return to the Penguins, you know, potentially to back up Tristan Jari. And I have touched on this um, during the offseason. I haven't touched on this in a while, so I'll relay those thoughts again here. Um, the only way I would take Flurry back is if it's like a one to two year deal for like two to 2.5 million per. Otherwise, if he's asking for three, three and a half, four, forget it. I mean, he he really was not good this season for both Chicago 
um, and Minnesota. Jari is the future, I think, at this point. He's had a better season than Fleury. And, you know, I also think if if Fleury were to, were to return, you know, that's a lot of added pressure on the starting goaltender. Like, wow, I have a franchise icon behind me that basically everyone wants to see playing. And, you know, even though I'm the number one guy and I just had a great year, you know, some, some players falter in those situations, some players overcome it and they have great years, but you know, do you want to take that risk that Jari could falter? I mean, you know, sure. Flurry is a good stopgap option option, excuse me. But you know, again, it all comes down to the money. I'm sure they could agree to a one to two year term, but this guy is coming off a, a massive contract. I think with Vegas and everyone where he was getting what, seven and a half million or something like that. You know, how much of a pay cut is he willing to take? That is my question with that. Um, Again, I I would personally go after someone like Braden Holpe. I think you can get him for cheaper than um, 2 million a year, potentially maybe like one to 1.5 for like a year or something like that, just because his play has obviously tapered off a lot throughout his career. Uh, I just think, you know, the past is the past with a lot of these things. Um, I don't know. You know, would would like eighty percent of the fan base love it? Sure. You know, a, a lot of people my age uh, grew up with Flurry because you know he was the first. You know, one of of the, the the first core. You know, to come through here. You know, then then Sid got drafted. Then Gino, obviously, then Latang and Kunitz and all those guys. Um, but you know, I still think Flurry deserves a chance to start probably somewhere, and I'm sure he could take a deal on like a middling team. You know, say. I'll throw a team out there, Buffalo or something like that. You know, the Sabres are looking to be better next year. They had a really nice end of the season. They have a lot of goaltending questions. I think I could definitely see them being one of the teams that potentially goes after him and they will have more money to throw at him. I mean, this is a Sabres team that I don't even think has reached the salary floor at this point. So, you know, overall, I would welcome it if the price is right. But I also think that there's too many, you know, there's other goaltenders out there that can do what he does a bit better. Um, and you know, to be frank, you can probably get them um, for a bit cheaper. Um, uh, now, getting to the Malkin and the Latang stuff, we'll st- I'll start with Malkin. Um, it sounds like they've agreed on term, and that is three years. Um, for those that don't know, Sandy Crosby's contract, his is up in three years. So they're thinking, which is the obvious right here, which I'm about to say, they want to tie Malkin and uh, Crosby's careers together. They want them to go out at the same time. But the biggest hiccup right now, it seems to be, is the money. I, I do not know what the Penguins are offering him. I do also do not know what Malkin is asking. We'll play a little bit of a hypothetical here. Say Malkin's asking for 7.5 to 8. You know, Do you do it? I would kind of say no. You know, I think the sweet spot for him is 6.5 to 7. I don't think right now with how he played last year, he was still a very good player. I don't think he is worth 7.5 to $8 million. Could you have to stomach it and maybe give in a little bit? Sure. But I feel like for $8 million, are you going to get that kind of value for the next few years for someone's 505 play? That's fine, but could potentially decline even more. You know, obviously his bread and butter, he's great on the power play, um, you know, was a pointer game player this year. But, you know, 
do you expect that to continue for the next three years? And again, I love the player. I want them to bring him back. I think there's probably no one else on the free agent market that can do what he does. But, you know, sometimes you may have to say no if the demand is a bit much. And that's what it sounds like Ron Hextall is doing right now. It sounds like he's playing hardball with him, even though I'm sure he would probably have, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? He would have no problem going out and signing Vincent Trocheck to like a five times six, but not even five times six, like a six times six and a half, seven million dollar contract. That's a player that's not even going to come close to doing what Evgeny Malkin does on a nightly basis. And also, it just seems like a total Ron Hextall move, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I definitely think there are limits with Malkin's asking price. It definitely does not sound good right now as we are almost three weeks away from NHL free agency opening. But I also don't think it's, you know, the kiss of death that someone making it out to be. There's still time. Um, Again, the news is not great, but, you know, it's all a matter of can the two sides get close enough where, you know, maybe – one has to give a little bit more than the other. That's the big thing I'm looking for. Um, <clears throat> you know, sure, Nazem Kadri is out there to sign free agency, but do the Penguins want to pony up 8.5 and 9 million to pay him? That's the big kicker there. JT Miller is going to be available. Do the Penguins have the assets to acquire him? Probably not, even though he would be a great replacement for Malkin. I just don't think the Penguins would have, you know, what Vancouver would want um, in a trade. And then, <clears throat> Lastly, <clears throat> Freeman said, it sounds like the Penguins and Latang, they're about a million to about a 1.1 to 1.2 uh, million apart. So 1 to 1.2 mil. Um, that's not bad. You know, the updates c- are continuing to get better with Latang than they are with Malkin, which again, I think shows that Latang is the, prior- the biggest priority and that, you know, they want to get him out of the way before circling back to Malkin, you know, and really, I think, diving deep into that negotiation. You know, I, I've honestly kind of changed my tune at this point. In my opinion, I think it's more likely that Latang comes back and Gina walks. That's just, that's my pure speculation right now. It's my opinion. Could both be back? Sure. Could the opposite happen? Sure. Could none of them be back? Sure. But right now, my gut is telling me that I think they find a way to get Latang done. But, you know, with all these updates, with all these Bad updates on Evgeny Malkin. I just, I'm not really feeling super confident um, in it. So that wraps up this first segment of Locked on Penguins podcast. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get to the NHL awards tonight, um, where a couple of Penguins finished in regards to these respective awards and, you know, what my um, top three to top five ballots um, would have been. But before we get to that, you know how our friends at Built are always coming out with amazing new flavors? Well, this time Built has surely outdone themselves with their new Mud Pie flavor. And for the first time ever, Built is introducing the new Mud Pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. Not sure what Mud Pie tastes like? Well, if you're a chocolate fan, you better sit down for this. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate uh, mouse, excuse me, smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. You've got to try the mud pie as soon as possible and you need to hurry because the mud pie bar and the puff, they're only available for a limited time. You can visit built.com to taste this deliciousness for yourself. And you can also go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at 
LO underscore penguins. So the NHL awards were tonight. There really weren't too many surprises outside of Sidney Crosby not even getting a single vote for the Hart Trophy. Um, I'm fine that he wasn't a finalist. I'm fine that, you know, he didn't get like one third place vote or something. But you're telling me that he didn't finish top 10 to top 15 in the league after he just had one of the best seasons um, in his career. Let's dive into the numbers a little bit here. 31 goals, 84 points in 69 games. Last year at 62 points, 55 games. He was well over a point a game yet again. Last year, this is the funny thing. He finishes four in the Hart Trophy vote last year after 62 points in 55 games, plays a basically a full season, 84 points in 69 games, and does not even get top 10 to top 15 in the Hart. What are we doing here? I understand that that, that vote was probably the hardest vote of all the awards. Trust me. You know, my ballot, I honestly would have had Shesterkin winning it. I think he was the most valuable player in the NHL this year. Without him in that kind of season, the Rangers probably do not even make the playoffs. He would have been my number one. I would have had Matthews at two. I would have had probably McDavid at three. Um, and then I would have had Johnny Gaudreau at four. And I would have had Roman Yossi at five. And I'm going to get to Roman Yossi in just a sec because he would have been my Norris Trophy winner if I had a ballot. But um, it's just – and this this goes to show that, you know, all the NHL writers, the PHWA, you know, they vote on most of these awards outside of the um, Jack Adams and the um, the Vesna. That the Vesna is voted on by the general managers. I think the Jack Adams is voted on by a bunch of uh, – broadcasters i'm pretty sure i'm probably missing another award or two but most of these awards are voted on by the writers who cover the various teams run the league you know media members and all that um but this just goes to show that i think a lot of these writers just don't watch any other NHL games outside of their own team because we can look at the heart trophy i'll read you all the list matthews mcdavid shesterk and goudreau huberto that's your top five i'm fine with that rosie's at six you know kirill kaprizov kale mccarr Leon Dreisaitl, that's fine. Alex Ovechkin had a great year. Steven Stamkos gets six fifth-place uh, fifth votes. Barkov gets a fourth and a fifth place. Jason Robertson gets three fifth-place votes. JT Miller gets one. Matthew Kachuk gets one. What are we doing here? I mean, a lot of those players do not have anything close to the level of season that Sidney Crosby did. He dominated in basically you know, every underlying number out there, and you're telling me he can't finish top 15 in the heart? He's finishing below guys such as, again, you know, Miller, Matthew Kachuk, Jason Robertson, Steven Stamkos, Sasha Barkov. All these are great players, but, you know, I think people need really need to take into account just how great Sid was this year. Probably one of his best seasons of his career. So that was definitely surprising, to say the least. Again, that would have been my top five for the heart. Um, the Calder Trophy, um, I would have had more uh, cider winning. Um, that's not even, I think, a question for me. Um, at this point, you know, he is, he was just incredible. Um, you know, I would have Robertson, uh, right up there too. Michael Bunting. That probably would have been my top three. Um, that's for sure. Probably, probably would have had J, J, Jeremy Swayman at four. Um, and well, actually I'm probably being stupid right now. Um, Zegers would have been my two. Um, Bunting would have been up there at probably three. Swayman at four, and then 
um, I'll, I'll, I'll come, I'll, I'll come back. So I, I just had it in my brain and it's just like totally, um, screwing that up for me, but you know, for, for the Vesna, you know, the GMs vote on this, but you know, they got to write 29 of them of 32 voted for Igor Shosturkin. How in the heck did that guy not win unanimously is beyond me. Um, the other three first place votes went to Frederick Anderson, Andre Vasilevsky, Ilya Sorokin. I mean, did, did Lou Lamorello vote for Sorokin? Did, Julian Brisbois vote for Andre Vasilevsky. Did Don Waddell vote for Frederick Anderson? I, I don't understand why people have to be so petty here. Um, he should have won un- unanimously. Now, the Norris is interesting. Um, it, you know, for, for that ballot, my mind would have been, been maybe a little bit different from others. Um, I would have had Yossi winning it. I mean, he put up Paul Coffey-like numbers this year. One of the best defensive, one of the best seasons by a defenseman I've ever seen for as long as I've been watching the sport. Oh, well over 90 points was a juggernaut in the offensive zone. Great defensive uh, metrics. Um, it is weird that he had more first place votes than Kel McCarr, but still lost. Um, that's all, that's all I'm going to say. You know, I, I don't understand that. I would have had Yossi one, McCarr two, Fox three, McAvoy four, and I would have had Latang five. Um, that's maybe a bit being biased there, but um, it, it's funny because Victor Hedman, you know, he finished top three in the Norris voting, but he had a better season this year than he did last year when he won the award. And I think that was just, you know, getting him his Norris trophy. Um, and again, I just, I, I think a lot of these writers just do not watch a lot of other hockey. Um, it, it's, I've always had that take for as long as I've been watching the NHL awards. Um, you know, Hedman was a lot better this year and, you know, Probably deserved to you know finish in the top five. You can certainly argue it, but you know again, you know I would have had him outside my top five. I would have had Yossi, uh, Makar, McAvoy, uh, Fox, McAvoy, Latang. Now Chris Latang did finish seventh in the Norris Trophy voting. Congratulations to him! 18 fourth place votes, 19 fifth place votes. Some, I know there's a segment of the fans that are going to be mad about that. Ignore them. Uh, they're, they're wrong. At the end of the day, they're wrong. Have them look up the numbers. Um, he deserved finishing in the top seven for that. And I would have, you know, I would have had him in my top five for my ballot. Um, Ted Lindsay, that's voted on by the players. Austin Matthews won that. Congratulations to him. You know, and Matthews really cleaned up the awards tonight. Um, you know, he also won the rocket, won the heart. Um, you know, again, I, I personally probably, I would have had Shesterkin winning that one, but you know, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I, I don't have a vote. And then I saw the GM of the year award was what the, fi- the finalists, I think were announced. Uh, Joe Sackett, Julian Brisbois, very true deserving. And Chris Jury. And it's like, wow. Um, you know, Chris Jury made a bunch of mean moves over the off season as a few good moves of the trade deadline. And, you know, all of a sudden he's, he's in, you know, consideration for GM of the year, which is just hilarious. So um, I, I can't wait to see if potentially if he doubles down during this off season, you know, because his offseason moves didn't work. You know, he just had a God tier goaltending performance from the best goaltender in the league, or arguably the best goaltender in the league, a amazing power play. Um, and you know, that's, that's basically it, you know, but yeah, I guess that's, you know, up for consideration for being um, the GM of, of the year um, at this point, but that wraps up this segment for the NHL awards. Um, you know, m- mostly everyone's ballots that I saw, well, some, some I saw were fine. Others, I'm just like, man, like p- people are just showing their butts. You know, I, that's the PG version. I will say that people are really showing their butts out there with, I think, how little, you know, they watch the sport as writers 
around the league. Um, again, that that's just my take on that. Um, coming up in the next segment, we're going to get into Chad Ruedel's season review for the Penguins as we continue. We're we're almost done with that, to say the least. Here, you know, we only have a couple more defensemen, and then um, some of the other players that were called up. Um, during the season, and then we will basically be done with that, and we're, we're going to really start prepping up for the draft. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get more into it here. I've been doing a little bit of some scouting reports, you know, watching a little bit of some of their highlights and stuff. Um, I definitely have a couple of players that I think could be in play here for the Penguins. My good buddy Jason J underscore A155 has been you know putting, helping put together a scouting list for me as well to see how it compares. And we're going to get into that coming up here um, in the next week or two. But again, Travel Weedle season review that's coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at L underscore Penguins. So let's get to Chad Ruedel's season review here, if I can just make sure I got the numbers up. And I did um, full 78 games, played almost 1,100 minutes. Oh, oh, was a hiccup there. At 5v5, when he was on the ice, the Penguins had close to 54% of the shot attempts, um, 50% of the actual goals for 56.3% of the expected goals. That is um, the second best of his career. Scoring chances-wise, 54.8%. That's almost as good as where it was last year. High danger-wise, 57% of those chances. That's one of the best marks for his career. Um, 50% of high danger actual goals for. Um, I don't think enough people talk about him enough for how good he was this season. Um, always reliable as a number five, number six defenseman. And, you know, he was ready for this going into the season. I openly wrote about this, you know, when I was doing some work for full press hockey, uh, you know, and one of the topics I want to dive into was, you know, the battle between Mark Freeman and Chad Riedel, who should win that number one spot. And, you know, in my view, it was a slam dunk that Riedel should win it, especially with how his underlings were coming into this year, you know, plus 50% in shot attempts, plus 50% in scoring chances, high danger chances, you know, d- defensively, you know, expected goals against per 60, one of the best, you know, numbers on the team, I believe top three among all Penguins defensemen, um, high danger chances against, he was not on the ice for a lot of those either. Um, you know, he was just a rock. And the fact that the Penguins are only paying him not even a million to have the, that, the, to have those great numbers it's a miracle in my eye. He was so freaking good this year. And, you know, he was a perfect compliment to Mike Matheson because you all know Matheson is a total chaos player. He, he, you know, great offensively, defensively, he'll have his screw-ups, all that jazz. But, you know, Ruedel, you know, he was always covering up for his mistakes when he would make them. And, you know, he was just that steady partner that I think Matheson has been missing. And it's great. That's why that pairing just works so good together. And, you know, sure, Ruedel didn't bring a lot of offense, you know, or counting stats to the table-wise, but, you know, he still scored a few timely goals and the team needed him to. I mean, he he was getting a lot better at jumping into the rushes a lot more this season. You know, I, I, there was probably, you know, two, two to four goals where, you know, he came down from the blue line. No one really saw him. And, you know, he was able to bury the puck, you know, from 10 to 15 feet out. I think the, the biggest one that I remember – um, was when the Penguins, they were down 4-2 to the Flyers, and that was Sidney Crosby's 500th goal. And the Penguins, they make it 4-3. 30 seconds later, Ruedel comes down that, that pointed spot from the point, 10-15 feet out, buries the tying goal. Uh, that was, I think, actually his first goal of the season. Penguins then win the game in overtime, 
five to four. And it was just like, wow, you know, if he can continue to do that, I mean, then it opens up, you know, more opportunities here for him to be good in the offensive zone. But, you know, he was always good at the breakout, carrying the puck up the ice defensively in his own zone, was never really pinned in there, did not really make a lot of mistakes. He's always been a very serviceable player. Um, I remember, you know, I had Josh Yoey on here. And, you know, I think when Jacques Martin was one of the assistant coaches, he always raved about Rui will say, you know, it's a shame that this guy's not in the lineup all the time. You know, you guys don't know what you're missing when, even though he, he's being scratched. And, you know, I think we can all see, see that now, especially with how he played in these 78 games during the regular season. I mean, he was absolutely spectacular for this team. One of their best defensemen this year. And, you know, it's fine that he's doing this in a bottom pairing role. Could he play on the second pairing? Sure. Is he a top pairing guy? Absolutely not. Played in all seven playoff games this year. You know, got a little a little bit, um, you know, hemmed in 42% of the shot attempts for the Penguins. But, you know, go, four goals for, two goals against. You know, that's a very good number. 50% of the expected goals. Scoring chances-wise, only 46% of those. 52% of the high danger chances. And only when he was he was on the, on the ice for one high danger goal again. So a mixed bag there. But still, you know, most of those numbers, I would say the majority of those numbers are better you know than the others um i really cannot say enough good things about this player um i would give him a solid a minus this season honestly i'll probably give him an a um i expect him to contribute yet again for this team next season i expect him to put up similar numbers to the ones i discussed earlier on in the show he's going to be a serviceable player for years to come and if he continues to sign those cheap contracts the penguins will continue to have a bargain um, and on their third pairing, because, you know, the, those are the kind of moves that championship teams need to make, especially when they stand up to the salary cap year after year after year. You have to find your depth guys for cheap and they have to, you know, be at least serviceable. And Riedel was at least all that and more. Can't be thrilled. Can't be more thrilled, excuse me, with the season that he so that'll do it for Tuesday's episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'll have another episode for you all on Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday of this week. We're getting close to the end of the regular season, three weeks away until free agency, only a couple weeks away from the draft. You know, we're, we're still pumping out content here. You know, Keep it right here on Locked on Penguins. I got everything about this team um, coming for you throughout the offseason. Um, before you know it, it's going to be opening night. And I hope to see some of you all there in Pittsburgh next year. I will 100% be there for a game to hopefully meet a few of you all and you know maybe i'll buy you all a drink and something like that um but again thank you all so much for listening really appreciate it um and you can you can follow me on twitter hunter hodies follow the shows where i love us for penguins and until next time uh, i'll talk to you all soon